the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is one minute before 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon in Southern California. I'm Bob Lapine on Southern California Live here on KKLA and KPRZ. And we're glad to have you along this afternoon. we got a lot to talk about. And um, I, I just need to say right up front that what we're going to be talking about is a subject that you may want to um, you may want to consider who's in the audience as we talk about this because well I'll, I'll just say this I've been talking now for more than a quarter of a century that that the thing I've spoken about most as I have traveled and spoken in events and conferences on radio in so many settings that the subject I've talked about most often has been marriage, God's design for marriage, God's plan for marriage. What does the Bible say about how we are to live out our lives as husbands and wives in a marriage relationship? And in that context of talking about it, whenever we get to the subject of intimacy in marriage, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, um, th- there's a noticeable shift in in the the posture of the audience, whoever you're talking to, uh, the room gets quiet. People pay particular attention. Uh, there is a, there is you, you can sense that people are saying, um, "I'm a little uncomfortable with what we're about to talk about, but I need somebody to help me here." If if there is an issue that is the most common issue that couples will come and say, this is where we're struggling. It's the area of sexual intimacy in marriage. Oftentimes couples won't come and say that because they're ashamed or embarrassed. They figure everybody else has figured it out. We haven't. Something's wrong with us. This is not something you talk with people in public about. And of course it's, we certainly need to be appropriate. If we're going to open the door to this subject, you got to talk about it in a in a way that is appropriate. But I've, I've never forgotten what Dr. Howard Hendricks, who was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary for many years, when, when he spoke on this subject one time, he said, we should not be ashamed to discuss what God was not embarrassed to create. This subject, marital intimacy, sexual intimacy and in marriage, was God's idea. It was his creation. He did not have to make us this way. He did not have to have procreation happen this way. But it was his good design that this would be a part, this would be a gift to us in the marriage relationship. And yet I I would tell you today that more couples more Christian couples are missing this gift than are experiencing it. I think that's true beyond the walls of the church. For, for all of the, for, for all of the, the the idea that that outside of the strictures of the church, those who are open to uh, 
all kinds of sexual activity and engagement. We, we tend to think these people are just having a ball. They're living it up. They're they they're uninhibited. They're they're having a great time. Well, the research shows the opposite. The research shows that marital intimacy in a Christian marriage is more highly satisfactory, more more loving. There's there's a higher level of satisfaction among Christian couples, a monogamous Christian marriage. That's where the highest level of satisfaction is. And yet, within Christian marriages today, uh, even with those reports, there there are I saw a statistic recently said as many as 80% of Christian couples who would say this is an area we're struggling with. So can we talk about it today? I mean, in the middle of the afternoon on a Wednesday on the radio, certainly we need to talk about it in appropriate terms, as I said. But I think it needs to be talked about. And I'm so glad to have joining us uh, two friends who have collaborated on a book that I think is a very helpful, um, very candid, uh, but very appropriate look at this subject, a book that I think is going to help a lot of married couples. The book is called Married Sex, and it's written by Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta, who are joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. I, I will welcome them in just a minute. But many of you know Gary for his years of writing on the subject of marriage and relationships. He wrote a book called Sacred Marriage years ago that that was uh, it, and is still a classic. It, it's a book that I I recommend to people at the beginning of their marriage. I recommend to people who are experiencing struggles in marriage. It takes you back to What's marriage supposed to be all about? If you've not read the book Sacred Marriage, it's it's on your must-read list. And then Deborah Faleta has written a, a number of books, including uh, a new book called "Are Are You Really Okay?" <laughs> you know, people will say, "How are you doing?" I'm okay. Well, are you really okay? And how can we know if we're really okay? She's a licensed counselor. Gary's a pastor in Houston, and. Um, they have collaborated on this book called Married Sex, and I'm glad to have both of you. Gary, welcome. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you, Bob. It's great to hear your voice. And Deborah, welcome as well. Good to have you joining us in this conversation this afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So tell me how the two of you who are, I know you have known one another in professional settings, um, for an for an unmarried couple... <laughs> Uh, Gary, you've been married for years to your wife in Houston. Deborah, you've been married for 14 years. You live in Denver. Uh, to say, let's collaborate on a book on married sex. Um, t- t- tell me how that conversation started, Gary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been married almost as long as Deborah has been alive. Uh, I- I've admired her works over the last several years. And I had a number of national marriage ministry leaders that have came to me and said, yeah, we just think there needs to be a new book for Christian couples about sex. There's some great ones out there, but they felt some were getting dated. Some, the, the husbands might have liked it, but the wives didn't. And they said, we think you could be one to do that. But I didn't want to do it alone. I didn't want just another guy's perspective out there. There are plenty of books out there like that. And because I'd admired what Deborah had done and the way that we bring just different skill sets. She was in her 30s. The time I wrote, I was in my 50s. She'd been married about 15 years, Lisa and I, 37. She's a licensed counselor. I'm a pastor. Even culturally, to be honest, I, 
I, I live like a barnyard animal. I get up about 4, 4.30 a.m. Deborah and her husband are both, as they say, full-blooded Egyptians who like to stay up late. Uh, we feel like we could hit couples from every decade, whether you're night owls, whether you're morning people, whether you need a licensed counselor, a pastor, a spiritual writer. And I was just so pleased, Bob, with how it came out, that doing this in a collaborative effort, not just because I think Deborah's chapters were brilliant, but even the way she helped to refine mine, that we could create a book accessible to both husbands and wives, not pitting them against each other, not tearing one or the other down, but really just trying to help couples understand, celebrate, and enjoy each other. And Deborah, in your clinical practice, as you're working with couples, um, am I misstating what I, I said here at the beginning, that more couples than not are experiencing challenges when it comes to the marriage bed? Yeah, you know, I would say that more often than not, people are going to struggle with this area. And, and maybe maybe it's going to take a few years. Maybe for some people, it's right off on their honeymoon. For others, a, a sexual problem will come up at some point in their marriage. But for every combination of two people, there's bound to be some sort of problem that comes up along the way. And instead of us being surprised by it, we should be prepared for it. Uh, one one pastor named Levi Lusko, who endorsed our book, said, if the enemy can't take you out on the battlefield, he'll take you out in the bedroom. Mm. And I just think there's so mm. much truth to that. And, and just a reminder that we just need to be educated and prepared. And, and this is something, again, that the Bible speaks to candidly and appropriately. I know when when I worked on a project called The Art of Marriage, a video series years ago, we decided that there would be a portion in this video series where we were going to talk about this subject. And I remember getting a call from a pastor who said, I cannot believe what that you guys were as candid. This is not appropriate to be talked about in public like this, but with men and women both in the room, you should be ashamed of yourselves. And And I said to him, we purposed as we went into this to be as candid and appropriate as the Bible is. The, the, the Song of Solomon speaks to this. We wanted not to go beyond the pale of what the Bible speaks to, but Gary, you talk about this in chapter one of your book. Uh, Song of Solomon yeah. is is pretty candid, and it's appropriately, um, how, how do we say it? It, it, uh, it uses kind of um, language that, that obscures the subject for those who might be too young to engage with it, but everybody else can kind of catch what's going on, right? Absolutely. And Bob, I'm familiar with The Art of Marriage. It's a great series, and it's not nearly as explicit as the Bible. (laughs) When I did a deep dive, not just in the Song of Songs, but the Book of Proverbs, so you're dealing with wisdom literature, again, I was reminded of how much God's Word celebrates married sexuality all aspects of it, and I think even presents in many ways a guidebook to increase our sexual pleasure, talking about how God created our bodies, all five senses to open us up uh, to new pleasures between husbands and wives uh, in the bedroom. And, and even the title of the book on sex, The Song of Songs, elevates the experience. Something of something is an ancient Near East phraseology that lists what's being talked about. People are familiar with God being described as the King of Kings. Well, the Song of Songs is about the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. So King of Kings says that God isn't just the greatest of kings, that he would be king of all the kings. He's different in kind. So when the 
sexual relationship is described as the song of songs, it's really elevating it before you even get into all of the scriptures. Uh, and, and then once you get into the verses and you understand it, uh, you're right, it is so explicit, but it's so brilliant, Bob, as you suggested, where I think it's one of the greatest acts of writing I've ever seen, where mm. it can be completely innocent to a 10-year-old that doesn't know what those pomegranates are really referring to, right. and yet to adults that get it, very explicit and helpful. And Deborah, I've I've come to recognize um, both in my own marriage, but in in talking to couples for years, there is something um, deep, soul level, profound in the the act of sex in a marriage relationship that that goes beyond my ability to kind of even put words to it. There, there's some mystery here in what God has designed that this this can. Uh, wound us at the deepest level, and it can affirm us at the deepest level. There is something about coming together in marriage that that, that nothing else in in creation can touch. Yeah, you're right, and I think we need to kind of begin to see this act of intimacy as something more than just physical. And I think that's the way that God intended it. True intimacy is emotional, is spiritual, is, is physical. And it, it's about building our connection. It's about increasing our relationship. And I think when you put all of those things together in, in the gift of marriage, I, I also think that's one of the reasons that married sex is set apart. Because in marriage, you can have all of those layers of intimacy and connection working together and 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 really our physical um, experience is is the overflow of, of a healthy intimacy in our marriage and so there is something really special about it and unfortunately a lot of couples are not experiencing it in the way that God intended for them and is the reason for that Deborah because uh, we live in a a culture that has perverted God's gift, and and so all around us we have the distortions. Is it because of the damage that has been done to some people uh, who have experienced sexual abuse or sexual degradation? I mean, I know it's all of these things, but if 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 you kind of pulled it back to the to the core, are are the problems couples are experiencing in marriage because we we live in a broken, fallen world? Or is this just one of those things that takes time to figure out and work out in any relationship? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I, you know, I would kind of categorize it as internal issues that we're facing and external issues that we're facing. Internal issues could be things in our relationship that aren't healthy. You know, maybe we're struggling with emotional intimacy or, or um, feeling respected and loved in our marriage. And so that's going to affect our physical intimacy. Maybe there are stressors from within our marriage. Maybe it's literally just a lack of education on the anatomy of your spouse. I mean, there's a lot of internal issues that you might face, but then there's external things. There's the pressures of life. There's, you know, the the, the sex industry and how it's been really used for money and for um, to sell things and, and the pornography industry. I mean, there's so many things that harm our relationship externally as well. And so it's a matter of, of, of weeding those things out and, 
and replacing the unhealthy narratives that we've learned about it along the way with God's truth, with healing, and moving ourselves in the direction of a healthy relationship. Gary, I remember talking years ago with Dr. Nan Allender, who had written a book on sexual abuse, and um, I asked him how many people have experienced sexual abuse growing up uh, in, in childhood, in their teenage years. And he says, well, it, de- it depends on how you, where you want to draw the line. He said, if, if you're talking about direct physical contact, that kind of sexual abuse where uh, a child is being preyed on by an older adult, he said, with women, it's about one in three. With young men, it's about one in 10. He said, but when you raise the bar and talk about two teenagers who are in high school and somebody being pressured to go beyond what they're comfortable with, which is a form of sexual abuse. He said, now we're into the 60 and 70% range for sexual abuse. He said, but honestly, all you have to do is watch advertising on TV or on billboards and look at the way that uh, women in particular are exploited for for their physical beauty. He said, at that point, we live in a culture where everybody has been sexually abused yeah. because the culture is giving yeah. us this abusive message about sex. Yeah. It's really, Bob, why I wanted to write the book with Deborah, because with every person, there are different things holding us back. We talked about the theological basis. Some had repressive education, even within the church, where they just had wrong notions that somehow it might be allowed if you really have to conceive, but God doesn't want you to have too much pleasure, give yourself over to it. And that's why we go through the Song of Songs, 5-1, that says, eat your fill, be intoxicated with your desire for each other, that God is is blessing, enjoying each other to the fullest. But some people, it's not religious upbringing. It's, it's psychological issues from being abused or just not being wanted or feeling guilt and to that. And then, as she said, there's also just the practical physical thing. Sex is spiritual, it's relational, but it's a physical sport. And there are little physical tricks and things that we can do, understanding our brains, understanding our bodies, understanding how each other works. That, that can really help. And so we, we try to take it comprehensively and saying, whatever it is that's holding you back, let's remove the roadblock, but then point a new way forward. Because uh, Deborah says in the book, I like this, a good sex life isn't something you find. It's something you make. And when you look at a road being built, they level everything first. They're flattening the ground, and then they build on top of that. And that's what we're trying to do with the book. Let's, let's remove the stuff that's keeping us from going forward, but then let's help put in the things that will help us enjoy each other, I believe, to God's glory. You are both very candid in the book, very, again, I think appropriately um, transparent in what you talk about. I'm wondering if in the writing, if either of you went, now wait, can can we actually, can we say that? I mean, can is that okay to say it that way? How, how did you how did you deal with what your level of um, and I'll start with you, Gary, on this. How did you deal with what's going to be? Okay? I mean, your kids are going to read this book, right? Yeah, I know, I know. Well, here's the thing, and this I'm giving Deborah the credit for this. She came up with the idea of establishing a private Facebook group. Now, I had a few small groups where people I knew that have talked to me about future books could share some of those stories. Deborah and I did not want to base this book on our own sexual experiences. Nobody needs to know that, and we didn't want to go there. But we had a level of anonymity where people could share. We would lift up the issues when we're going through the five senses, and we're talking about how every different sexual position creates a different kind of experience or how 
and Getty sex. Sex is an oasis. And so we would have them get the notion of where we were going, and they would share how they fleshed it out. And, and so it was really fun just to see how other couples were encouraging other couples. And, Bob, even before the book was written, it was fun to see in the Facebook group how some said, I've been so encouraged and built up, just finally being able to talk about this and learn from other people. So the book process gave us a level of anonymity where it isn't based on mine and Deborah's experiences. I think maybe each of us share one or two such encounters. It really is more about other Christian couples and what they've learned to draw near to each other and enjoy each other and, and love each other. Deborah, as a, as a counselor, I know you've had a lot of candid conversations. Did you find yourself blushing as you wrote any of what you wrote in this book? You know, I definitely become comfortable with the subject matter over time and working with couples and even just as a mom of young kids. I think one thing that I have learned is that I get to set the tone for the comfort level of the conversation. So when I go into it with embarrassment or shame, that's what's going to overflow into the conversation, even with my kids, even as I'm having conversations like this as a mom of four. Um, And so approaching this book, I kind of approached it in the same way. I mean, there's no shame here. This uh, This is God's gift. And if we are not speaking about this in an honest, open way, then we're allowing the world to speak into this subject. And and when you look at it that way, I do think it gives you a confidence to just, you know, bring these topics to the light in a way that can help people digest it, can help Christians understand it um, without shame, without guilt, and, and, and hopefully that overflows into their marriages as well. Well, like I said at the beginning, I've talked to so many couples who have, been candid enough to say this is an issue in our marriage. Um, I, I would say to everybody who's listening, if if this is an issue in your marriage, if there's something, if if you want to see this area of your marriage get better than it is today, uh, the book that Gary and Deborah have written, Married Sex, is an outstanding source, an outstanding resource for you to read through together as a couple, to talk through together to have conversations, to say, okay, what? how did you feel about that? Underline parts and say, what do you think about this? I, I hope uh, so many married couples will get a copy of the book. It's out now. It's available. I would encourage you to find out more about it. The book is called Married Sex by Gary Thomas and Deborah Falada. We're going to continue the conversation with them and, and uh, talk about how we can take positive steps in this area of our marriage relationship. The conversation continues in just a minute. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. All right, I was debating on whether we could do this or not, um, and, and we're, do, we're going to do it. I'm going to open up the phone lines if you have questions, you want to join the conversation. We're talking this afternoon with Gary Thomas and Deborah Falada about a book called Married Sex, A Christian Couple's Guide to Reimagining Your Love Life. So if you're going to call with a question, you need to be on your best behavior and be appropriate. But the numbers are 888-52-TALKS, 888 888- Five two eight two five five seven. If you want to join us with a question or a comment as we're talking about marital intimacy, back in the days when um, 
you used to check out in the grocery store line before you scanned the groceries yourself. There were always the magazines that were right there at the checkout line, and Cosmopolitan was always there among them, and every issue had something about five new tips or six six new ways or strategies or positions or whatever. It was all designed to, to train us to think if we could just crack the code. The, the issue for us is that we've just got to figure out the one or two things that are missing, and what's working for everybody else will finally work for us, but... As people who have invested, I would say, squandered money on on those magazines, only to learn that it's not about a technique or a, a trick or a tip. It's about something much deeper than that. When we talk about God's design for marital intimacy, and and that's that's really the the, the foundation of the book that uh, that Gary and Deborah have written. Not that and, and Deborah, I'll, I'll just have it's not that there might not be some tips or techniques or or tips that we can pass on to one another, but really that's not what's at the heart of good marital intimacy, is it? Right, yeah, and we definitely talk through some tips and tricks and different things, but the idea being that if that's your starting point, it's only going to be temporary at best because true intimacy is multifaceted. You've got to focus on your past. You've got to focus on the things in your present. You've got to be able to have conversations about where you're going in the future. Um, and, and one thing Gary says is that this book is a book of questions more than a book of answers because the goal is to get you talking about things that maybe you haven't talked about, maybe you haven't been comfortable talking about, and give you a guide to do that. Deborah, as you work with couples one-on-one and and they're open with you about issues in their their intimate marriage the intimate part of their marriage uh, getting them from stuck to unstuck is that a long process for most couples or does it unlock quickly and take them from stalled out to to 60 miles an hour quickly <laughs> you know more than a long or short pro- process i would say it's a deep process um sometimes People come in thinking it's going to be a quick, superficial thing. Do this. Stop doing that. Try this. And and they don't realize that it's actually a little bit deeper than that. There's there's things we need to address um, from how they communicate to the things in their past to the way that they view each other to the way they view sex. I mean, there's so many different things that we've got to get to the bottom of in order for us to be able to build the foundation of healthy intimacy. How much is, is trust and commitment? How foundational is that to healthy sexual intimacy? Oh, it is so necessary because you can't, um, you can't let go when you're, when you're unable to trust. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to know and believe uh, from the bottom of your heart that this person has my best interest in mind. And I believe that's the way that God intended it, for us to be loving and serving. And one thing we say in the book is that when you become a better person, you also become a better lover. Because so much of what we do under the sheets is really dependent on the type of people and the type of relationship that we have above the sheets, our, 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 the health of our marriage, the health of our relationship, the dynamic there. Gary, I know you you said that you were careful not to make this a book about your own marriage, your own experience, 
But just just as a reality check, so that listeners don't think, well, these are two people who just kind of lucked into having the stars align and, and they knew what to do. This has been an area of growth for you in your marriage. It's not something that that uh, month one you, you had all figured out and you've just been going the last 37 years with smooth sailing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. This will sound bizarre, Bob. I wish I had this book when I got married. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's a perspective that I needed and I lacked. Um, there are a lot of different ways. One chapter that really challenged me is called What Gets You Going? We have a chapter started at What Gets Him Going to help wives understand their husbands. We have a chapter What Gets Her Going to help husbands understand wives, and Deborah writes that. And then we have a chapter we write together called What Gets You Going, that you're to take responsibility for your own sexual pleasure. Your, your spouse can't possibly guess what's going on or how a touch feels. A, a woman's skin can be ten times more sensitive than a man's. That's just one of dozens of differences where a guy just can't guess what's going on. And so the marriage bed becomes a different place when you realize God created pleasure, pleasure is good, and I keep telling wives, one of the best gifts you can give to your husband is to enjoy the experience in the bedroom. We had husbands say they feel like Superman when they know they can please their wife. Now, mm-hmm. the best part of pleasure is the wife gets to enjoy it for herself, but enjoying it for herself, she's giving it to her husband. And so learning what helps her get there isn't a selfish thing to do. It's a lovely thing to do, and it's actually a giving thing to do. And and I... I hope our listeners understand, now that you've written the book, that doesn't mean that every time you and your wife are together intimately, that everything works out great and it's fireworks, right? No, I had a little section where I said, and Bob, you'll get this because of what you do. When I'm writing a sermon and I'm doing the research and I'm so into the scripture, this is going to be the best sermon ever. And then I got to craft it down into 30 minutes, and out goes that analogy, and out goes that point. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, this is just another ordinary sermon. (laughs) And and there's a part of me that hates ordinary. I want everything to be extraordinary, but that's not true to life. It's not true of dinner parties. It's not true of meals. It's not true of conversations, sermons, or sex. And, And that's what I love about married sex. We have a lifetime to enjoy each other, so there'll be laughter, times of laughter, there'll be quickies, there'll be times that are intense and passionate, times when we just really connect, times that feel healing, times that are just really a lot about fun, times when we're just trying to make a baby, and at times it may feel like work. But over the course of a life, it's an amazing relationship with many different qualities, and you accept it for what it is. And again, because it's a lifelong relationship, you you don't have any fear about one particular episode not living up to your fullest expectations because it's about who you are together for the rest of your life. Let me have both of you talk about this because I remember reading um, 1 Corinthians 7 for the first time where the Apostle Paul, talking about marital intimacy, says that the wife's body does not belong to her, but it belongs to her husband. The husband's body does not belong to him, it belongs to his wife. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thought, but how does that work out practically? You know, if the husband says, hey, um, I, I, I'd like my body tonight, and she says, well, I'd like you to go take a cold shower tonight. I mean, how, how, do, how do you make that? Apply that passage for me, Gary. Can you do that? Thanks for giving it to me. Um, let, let, let me make it clear that, that consent 
is crucial even in marriage. Uh, saying I do is not saying yes to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days sexual availability. That's, that's just not realistic and it's not kind. What Paul is saying is in general, when you're agreeing to get married, you're agreeing to be reasonably available sexually um, as it fits the pattern of the relationship. And, and so we talk about the problem of, I don't like to talk about the problem of different libidos because 90% of couples have different libidos, but we talk about how to navigate that in a way so that when you're at a place where you just can't say yes, how do you do it in a way that's helpful and empathetic and understanding instead of creating bitterness, anger, and resentment? So uh, consent is always key, even in a marriage, but there also has to be an element when I'm when I get married to my wife, I'm committing, you know what, I'm going to support her financially. I'm going to be there to talk to her. Uh, the silent treatment would be a cruel thing for a husband or a wife to do. Um, and Paul puts it there in that passage that when you get married, there's a reasonable expectation of sexual activity. And, would you and say that's Deborah, fair, Deborah? How yeah, I want Deborah to cl- chime in and give us this for, from a woman's perspective. You read 1 Corinthians 7, um, and, and what's, what's your takeaway there? Yeah. You know, I see it as a call to selflessness. And when I look at that passage, I don't see it as a spouse hoarding it, holding it over the head of their spouse and saying, you, you know, you owe me this and and my body belongs to you. Your body belongs to me. I see it more as a, as a personal call to selflessness. I look at my own life and say, you know what, my, body, my life, my money, everything I have belongs to my husband. And he looks at that passage in the same lens. Everything he has belongs to me. So so it's not about using the passage to get your needs met. It's about looking at it as an opportunity to serve and love your spouse. And so I think it all depends on um, how we even want to use that passage. Am I using it for selfish gain, mm-hmm. or am I using it in a way that, that serves and gives and loves my spouse? And I think when we look at Scripture, we, we, we read it through the lens of, of love and service and honoring and respecting one another. And so to me, it's not a scary verse. To me, it's actually encouraging, especially on days when I'm not feeling my best or on days when my husband's not acting his best and and kind of learning to give and love and respect one another. And that's something that we've got to do both under the sheets and above the sheets. It's just something that we apply to everyday life. We're talking with Deborah Faleta and Gary Thomas. They have together written a book called Married Sex, A Christian Couple's Guide to Reimagining Your Love Life. I just got a report that we have apparently crashed the Amazon website. So try again later if you're trying to order the book now. And and you're, I'm I'm kidding, but but I know many of you who are listening are saying this sounds like a book that would help us in our marriage. I'd encourage you to check it out again. It's called Married Sex by Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta. And we'll continue the conversation after we take this time out. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. Maybe that's uh, maybe the Beatles had some wisdom there when it came to how we deal with the issue of uh, of challenges we face when it comes to 
the sexual relationship and marriage. It's what we're talking about this hour with Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta, who have written a book called Married Sex, A Christian Couple's Guide to Reimagining Your Love Life. And um, I'm curious to hear from both of you on this. And Deborah, I'll start with you. I have I have talked to couples who um, th- this area of their marriage, not because of any uh, physical disability, but simply because it has become, I, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, this has become, th- this area has been shut down. They've just kind of agreed that this will not be a part of their marriage any longer. And it's been months or years since they've been together sexually, and they're just learning to live with it and endure it. Maybe one of them is not all that pleased with it. The other one is just fine with it. Uh, is is that okay for a couple in, in, in a Christian marriage to just kind of mutually consent that we're, we're not going to have this be a part of our marriage any longer? You know, the sad reality is, like you said, this is becoming more common. And I think, honestly, the enemy has a game plan here to keep us apart. And I think there's a reason that Scripture says, don't stay apart for too long unless you're you're agreed mutually you're praying you're fasting you're you're seeking god about something um because the enemy has a really good way of tempting us to not connect with one another and to find pleasure in other things and and to kind of numb and dull our senses to one another this has actually become so prevalent that um patrick carnes a, a specialist in this area termed the coin, coined the term sexual anorexia, hmm. um, which basically means people who are not engaging, they're not um, allowing intimacy to be a regular part of their life. They maybe go months or years. And, you know, it's problematic. Um, it's problematic for many reasons. But, but number one, we're not enjoying the the gift of sex the way that God wants us to enjoy it. And when we're not getting to the root of the problem, what what is going on here that's keeping us apart? Is it our schedule? Is it things from our past that are creeping up? Is there bitterness and resentment that we haven't addressed? And I often say that the overflow of the health of our relationship is, is shown in our sex life. And so many times when, when that's the case, and you haven't had intimacy in your marriage for a long time, I think it requires us to dig a little deeper and get to the root of why it's happening. And and so what I hear you saying is if if there's sexual anorexia, you don't just accept that. You say, we need, just as you would with some other symptom that's showing up physically, you'd say, what's the underlying cause here? Rather than just saying, well, we'll live with it. No, this needs to be opened up and meet with a counselor, with a pastor, with a trusted couple to help you get unlocked in this area. Exactly. And I think some of the things that keep people from getting help and from trying to figure out what's going on underneath the surface is is partly we have these false expectations. A lot of people believe that, you know, marriage is kind of a place where sex goes to die. Like, this is just how it works. And sure, in the beginning of your relationship, you enjoyed each other. But as you get older, things just get worse and worse, and they just are downhill from there. But honestly, that's not reflected anywhere in Scripture. And not only that, the healthiest couples 
stay connected emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically. It might look different in different seasons of your life, but the goal is to stay connected. And if that's not happening, uh, we need to dig a little deeper and, and find out what's going underneath the surface. Get some help. And I'm going to keep this question coming your way because one of the things I've experienced, again, over 25 years of talking about this, 25 years ago, if you if you talked about uh, who had greater desire for sexual intimacy and in marriage, 90% of the time it was the husband who had the desire and the wife who felt more protective or inhibited by that. She had a lesser appetite. In the last 25 years, there's been a huge shift to where now I'm talking to couples and 30 to 40% of the, the wives are saying, um, I have more appetite than my husband does. The stereotype of the repressed wife and the aggressive husband is not what it used to be. So what what's going on here, Deborah? Yeah, I think they're changing. And I think partly it's because, especially in the big C church, I think women are starting to understand and, and, and see scripture, like Gary mentioned earlier, and, and realize, you know what, this is just as much for me as it is for my husband. God gave me this gift. And I think the narrative there is changing. I also think, unfortunately, um, with, with the pornography culture, um, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy sexual appetites being fulfilled in an unhealthy way that it, that's keeping us apart in our marriage relationships and impacting sex drive. And so there's a number of reasons, but I think at the end of the day, uh, there's no cookie-cutter answers, and, and each marriage needs to assess their own situation. Sometimes there's ebbs and flow in, in different seasons of marriage. Sometimes one person's the higher-drive spouse, and then later on in their relationship it flips, and then it's the other person. And I think, again, just like with any appetite in life, we have different appetites, different needs, different desires, different preferences, but the key is coming together talking about it, communicating our needs and our desires, listening to the other person. And I have to say, in our work with couples and, you know, even writing this book with couples that I counsel, I found that so many people have a really hard time talking about intimacy, talking about sex. It's something they're just not used to doing. It's a conversation they're not used to having. And it's holding a lot of people back and keeping them stuck. Um, so I, I, my prayer is that this book would be used as a guide to help people begin to have these important conversations, maybe even for the first time. Yeah, Gary, I think what what Deborah is talking about here, it's so easy for us uh, be, because the culture addresses this subject in such an unholy way. It's easy for us to think any conversation about sexual intimacy must be unholy because all we've ever heard is unholy conversation about it. And what you're doing in the book is saying there is a godly, healthy, righteous, appropriate way for these conversations to be had. And yes, the culture does pervert it, but that doesn't mean that we shut down any discussion about it in marriage. Absolutely. You know, that phrase that Deborah mentioned that marriage is where sex goes to die, we try to make the case that Marriage is where sex goes to thrive. As far as it being a tool and why we want to keep it going, Bob, that you mentioned earlier, to keep a sex life going requires the marriage to fire on all levels. 
And so instead of just giving up and letting sex die, you look at what is dampening sexual desire. One wife told me, Gary, if, if my husband would just pray with me, she said he wouldn't be able to handle me in bed. He'd be crying uncle all night through. I, I would tire him out. And what she's saying is, before you touch my body, touch my soul. If we're spiritually connected, I want to be intimate with you. That's the positive and a negative. One woman said, Gary, I'd love to be more sexually intimate with my husband, but here's the problem. Everything I do is wrong. I don't cook right. I don't drive right. I don't clean right. I don't discipline the kids right. And I know at the end of a long day in, in the bedroom, I'm just disappointing a man that can't be pleased. And so it's not that she doesn't want to have sex. She doesn't want to be criticized. And so instead of just quoting First Corinthians 7, as you said, which is not an appropriate use and it's never helpful, it's taking a step back. What's keeping us from desiring each other? Is our marriage not firing on spiritual intimacy? Am I sabotaging what's happening in the bedroom verbally or by being critical? And so by, to keep a sexual life in its prime, I've got to keep my marriage in its prime. And so it lists the marriage at all levels. And I think that's one of God's brilliant designs. And I am so grateful for, for your book and grateful for the time this afternoon. We've got to wrap this up. So thank you guys for being with me. The book is called Married Sex, Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta. Check it out. Thank you guys for a very helpful, healthy, candid conversation. And we'll continue the conversation after this time out. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPraise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.